I, I understand our, our voice as the kind of, it's like the living representation. It's your identity out loud. You know, your passions, your thoughts, dreams out loud and articulated for the world around you. The example I give in the, in the book is of a period of time where I was bullied, where every action I had and the way I looked and the way I dressed was criticized day after day after day. And it got more and more convenient to get a little smaller, to hide away, to try and avoid um, and avoid conflict and confrontation with the people who were bullying me, but also realizing that the bullying tapped into my deepest fears that what they said was true. Wow. And, and I think what happens with us when we lose our voice is we're told our voices don't count. Uh, we don't see our voices represented in the world around us. You have some like devastating experience where you're numbed and you're silenced. Sure. And the things that God has wired you with, the ways that you are created are muted. the Everyday Disciple podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Hey, hey, hey. How's it going? Good to be back with you. Having a good week? Hope so. I'll tell you what, I am a little bit in love with the whole Formula One thing. I don't know if this is going to hit anybody else's radar or has, but there's that Formula One racing show, that whole series that's been on Netflix. I fell in love with that thing and binged straight through it. New season drops. I'm all over it. And now because I feel like I got such a backstory to people, all the people, the racers and the people who are in charge of the team and the boss and all that. Now I watch F1, the Formula One racing uh, every week, the races around the world, the Grand Prix and all. So I'm I'm crazy about that. I've always kind of been into racing. I raced a stock car right out of high school, and I only got to do it for one season. What a blast it was. I didn't really have the gear or a family with a garage and you know repair shop and all. Most of the guys, my buddies who raced, they had that kind of thing where their dad owned a repair shop or mechanic or something like that. But it was a blast, and I'm loving that. I don't know about you. Anyway, not even sure why I'm talking about that, but how fun is it? <laughs> it's super fun. Hey, have you joined us over on the Facebook group yet in uh, you know the Everyday Disciple group that we have there? We drop notifications for the new episodes. I ask questions. People ask questions. I drop resources in there. It's a way to stay even deeper connected with us all on the show. And it's a super easy way to get a hold of me. Ask any questions you might have. Love to hear from you. All right. Also, I just want to invite you to subscribe to the show on whatever platform you listen to. And by all means, and I know I ask this a lot, but would you please share the Everyday Disciple podcast? Real easy to do. Let folks know what you're learning. Share that out maybe through your church newsletter, your church's Facebook page. Type it out even if you need to in the bulletin or whatever. Get the word out. Let's let's continue to equip people in gospel fluency and this lifestyle of discipleship. Easy to do. Just send folks to everydaydisciple.com forward slash listen, and that'll give you all the options of all the different platforms. Pretty easy. I'd appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Now, today we're going to be talking about one of my most absolute favorite topics, and that's our identity. Of course, you probably hear us talk a lot about that here on the Everyday Disciple Podcast, and that's because it is so important to form people in their identity, their gospel identity, and help them understand who God says they are is so key. And there's this huge connection 
between many dots and movements in scripture that I hope I've made clear over a lot of different episodes. But just real quick, when you see our creation, our creation in the image of a triune God, let us make humans in our image to be like us. So we're connected to the Father and the Son and the Spirit in, in our creation there. And then God breathes his own breath, that word, that same word is the Spirit, into the first humans and sends them out to be fruitful and multiply. And then we see Jesus doing the same thing with his disciples. He says, hey, as I was sent by the Father, now I send you. And he says here, and he breathes on them, receive the Spirit. Now go and make disciples. And then he says, how do you do that? You baptize them, you immerse, that's what that word means, them in their true identity. You immerse them in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and in the name of the Holy Spirit, right? And then he sends us, sends humans, his disciples out to make more disciples. This is all so huge in understanding all of this. And it's key to us fulfilling God's eternal purpose and the purpose of the gospel, which is to fill the world with his glory. And he does that through us making more and more disciples of Jesus. So living in light of our true identity and authority and privilege is all part of our spiritual freedom, our relational peace, and being a part of God accomplishing his eternal purpose. Now, Heath and I had the privilege to talk with author and international speaker, Joe Saxton, about our identity. And it was an amazing conversation that pierced my heart in the best way and with such an encouragement. Take a listen. We have a very hard to snag and awesome guest with us today. Yeah, right? Joe Saxton, huh? Oh, man. She's actually a really good and somewhat long-term friend. Okay. Kind of met on the road and now speaking at conferences and just kind of blown away by her as a person, sure. as a mom, as a leader. I wish we could talk about about 10 things today. Killer but, accent. <laughs> killer <laughs> accent, which, you know, when you mix Nigerian with like from London, you know, British, you know, so it's like crazy, but I I don't want to say too much more other than, gosh, I love and respect her so much. She knows that. Um, Let's bring her on because she's going to tell us a lot of her story as we get started. Great. Joe, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Um, I was going to, I just finished your book, The Dream of You, and it was absolutely incredible. It was amazing how much of that clarified some stuff that I've actually gone through in my own life. And uh, you have such an incredible story of how you came to faith and then uh, stepped into leadership. Would you mind taking just a couple minutes to share a bit of that story with our listeners? Yeah, because it's not, Joe, it's not the average story you have. Yeah. <laughs> Immigrant parent. <laughs> You're right. And, uh, and, and in the intro, we were just having a little bit of fun with, you know, you have a unique accent because it's not from one place and you've lived in a lot of, anyway. So yeah, let's uh, let's hear a little bit of your story and how you came into faith, but also into leadership. Because I, I kind of knew, I know you in that phase of life. Like we didn't grow up together, but I know you as a leader and one of my absolute favorite speakers and oh. like prophets to like put me like, whoa, I got to think hard and pray hard about this. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, um, my faith journey and very much a journey, I think began when I was quite small. My, my background is Nigerian and um, my, in, within my family, my grandparents are Muslims, were, were Muslims, and there are a number of faiths represented in our family. So it, it wasn't kind of, I didn't get to inherit um, a Christian faith in any, any in any measure. You're an um, accidental Christian. I kind of. No, there's yeah, no such thing. So. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Um, and what happened, well, I actually came to faith through um, a children's club that were, uh, where these, God bless them, this couple who were missionaries basically in the inner city in a Methodist church down the road 
basically had a heart for the kids in the neighborhood and they gave their all. And they were the kind of people I say, like Hebrews talks of when it says the world weren't worthy of them, you know, because they went through a lot of tough times. Yeah. And um, Thank you for that. Huh? Yeah, I know. I'm so grateful. And they they were very intentional reaching out to the kids in the, in the neighborhood. And one of my friends said, you should come along to this kids club. And I said, why? And she said, because there are snacks. Yep. And there are games, and it's awesome. So that's the only reason I went to Sunday school as a kid. Yeah, Kool Aid and cookie yeah. snacks. So. Yeah, I gave my life to Jesus because I got a sucker every week that I did it. And so, <laughs> not all consumption is bad, friends. Not all consumption is bad. So, um, and I remember them talking to me about Jesus, and me first of all trying to work out where he was in the room um, because they talked about him so it's in such a familiar way, and um, and then them describing Jesus, and I remember one of them said. You know, you can talk to Jesus about anything, even your teachers. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> I was nine and I'm like, seriously, that is like like the best ever. <laughs> and, and I remember, I, I, I mean, gosh, this is probably some indicator of how, of my personality. I remember going up to the youth leaders and saying, are you going to have a time when, when you kind of give a talk at the end of the evening, tell everybody about Jesus and offer an invitation for people to come. I want to, to sign faith. up. How do I because, sign up? And because when you do that, I will then become a Christian. Mm. So wow. I need you to set a date for you to do that quite soon. Oh, wow. <laughs> how did you even how did you even know that was sort of the old school standard program? Um I'd seen and heard similar okay. things. I'd heard about it. Some of the other kids in the group had talked about this kind of holy moment they had. <laughs> um and I just thought it was time to get mine, you know? Get I, in on that. I, I was like Let's get in on this good news. This guy sounds amazing. I want to know this Jesus better. <laughs> but it, so yeah, it, it was awesome. And they were very gracious and they arranged one for a few weeks later. <laughs> and when they said, if you want to come to play stand up, I just shot up and said, it's my time. I mean, yeah. and then you said, and I've been working on some messages, so I'm just going to go ahead and get up right now. <laughs> <laughs> I did bring a friend with me and she came to faith uh, as well that night. So now jump way ahead, jump way ahead. And I mean, golly, so much stuff. I know you're deeply connected. Our listeners who know, you know, uh, uh, 3DM, you're deeply connected to 3DM. And that's kind of how we met. Um, yeah. Mike, Mike Breen has been a big part of your life and a great spiritual parent. I know. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And I, that was in my college years. And I think for me, all things missional, um, just seemed like a very natural, it had a very natural resonance to me. Mm. Um, in terms of obviously my church back, my, my journey to faith was someone invited me and, uh, and very much in the way I was discipled, that was the expectation. We were going to, we assumed we were sent, um, to people, <laughs> to people. And so when I, the course, why isn't I, that more normal? Holy cow. Why? Yeah. That's another I mean, episode, but <laughs> yeah, I, know. I guess with the UK as well, I think the church attendance, um, was, was not at its highest, shall we say? Yeah, <laughs> so that I think was part of it too. And in my college years, I remember thinking, get, I'd, I'd been to Bible college um, for a couple of years before, moved to university in Sheffield, was looking for a church, basically walked in and, um, and people were friendly. I mean, that, that, that was a kind of litmus test. My, and some of my college friends went there, but I was very much aware, like college is a time when the lid comes off your life in so many ways. Sure. And so the things that I'd managed, coped with, ignored throughout my childhood and my late teens when I had a little sojourn away. Um, um, as, were very, as you do. <laughs> one, one, it was so boring as well. Can I say it was one of the most overrated six months of my life? Um, 
Yeah. And, and um, <laughs> I remember coming, going to the church and just thinking, right, I just want to get rooted, but there, I, there's a lot I don't know. And I remember meeting Mike and Sally um, around that time in a fish and chip shop, which is obviously a best, bastion of English. Um, Love it. Glory. You like, um, you like, you like, you like mushy peas? I do. I, I do. do. I love peas. I, I almost. I do too. And so many Brits hate on them. And I love them. And they're wrong, Caesar. They're wrong. <laughs> they are... Okay. Let's good. just be honest now. I'm glad they we settled that. I feel even closer to you. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you make, how'd you make the jump then into leadership? So community seemed normal. Uh, yeah. Outreach, outreach in the sense of true outreach. Like let's treat people like family and let's get them in yeah. there. You know, how did you make the leap to God giving you a voice and being, finding yourself in leadership? You know, I think I would, I mean, I've thought a lot about this because I get asked and I think, I feel like it happened to me. I, I mean, from when yeah. I was a kid, like when, when I was 12, I remember, that was the first time I preached and it was at our church where I'd become a Christian and we were doing an outreach to um, our community and they said this time the kids were going to run it. So I was given the talk. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> did you do an altar call at the end? I'm, I, I think I did. Heck yeah. You <laughs> I think I did all kinds of water calls at the end. I, I mean, see that like, hand. I see that hand. Everybody's got a dog. Come forward. Kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I, was, I was very welcoming, shall I say. Mm -hmm. and, um, and at school, I was often the captain of teams. I was often given um, p like positions in the class to kind of represent the students. And so, and I was always volunteered and I just didn't, I never had a good reason to say no. Mm. I wasn't, I wasn't that comfortable with it, but I was never, I never had a good reason to say no. So I was kind of used to being that person who was put in charge um, throughout so, my So childhood. Joe, I got to say, I'm picking up on a pattern here already with your story. Well, right. Acc <laughs> accidental salvation, accidental Christian, accidental leader. Here you go. <laughs> I know. I'm no, just kind of walking around clueless, I think. I'm the no, 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 actually what I would say the pattern is, is just say yes. Like people have they miss it they don't, they're not saying yes to jesus and like you said that six month sort of walk away wasn't was pretty boring and then you yeah. said yes to leadership because it was presented and i wonder how yeah. many of us boy does this tie into to the book that you just wrote and we're going to talk about dream of you does this tie into people don't say yes to things because they don't they don't believe this what god says is true of them and they don't believe the dream that god has for let me let me just say this right away heath and i both like love your book the dream of you yep okay and um it, it's really addressing folks learning how to be comfortable with who God says they are, which is like our sort of well-worn topic on the show is we're yeah. always talking about identity. We always. just do because we think it precedes everything. Yeah. And why is it so important to you? And I, I am so stoked that you're writing and talking about this. And I know you well enough to know that you have been. It's not like it sprung up you know, this week or you know, this month when the book ships. But why is, why is identity so important to you, Joe? Um, I think probably because it, throughout my faith journey, it was it was one of those deciding impacts, de deciding things I had to really fight for. And that I when when I came to faith, it was like the battle began, and it was like, was I going to believe what God said about me? And it was so far removed from the world I was in. And and look, I I would read these things about who I was because of Christ and the transformation, and I began to encounter that level of transformation. And I noticed again another pattern was the more I got into that, the bolder I was, the more free I was, the more passionate I was, and the greater purpose I felt. And any time I didn't feel those things, it it stemmed from a battle over my identity. Wow, it really did. I tell people all the time: the more they believe their identity, like seriously believe it, is from Christ the more authority and privilege they're going to live into. Absolutely. 
I, 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 I genuine. I mean, we don't live beyond what we believe about ourselves anyway. But I, I think there is that, um, that terrible, that terrible thing that so many of us encounter. We're told lies. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're told yeah. lies by our culture. We're, we're told lies sometimes by significant figures in our lives. We're told lies by people we love. Um, the world. And the we're, do yeah, to be, the world. Do to be. If I you mean, do this, then you'll be this. Yep. And and they limit us. And some of sometimes even the good advice limits us. You know. And and I and I. Like for I instance, felt, for instance, good advice that limits us or you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think sometimes when you're told not to rock the boat, mm. when you, when um when passivity is spiritualized, sometimes, um, I think well, oh, you nothing could ever change. So don't 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 get worked up about this. Mm. Don't get worked up about these these injustices because well, you know, it's just the way of the world, and it is the way of the world, and that's true, but but uh, supposing that agitation is like that fire in your bones <laughs> that Jeremiah had. Supposing that agitation is God trying to get your attention, and on the other side of Him getting your attention is something that you're called to do. You, if you, um, someone's trying to make you feel better, and I think some, and maybe trying to comfort or trying to just not make it awkward, trying to feel socially, make you socially fit by not saying something that people don't know how to answer. Like, um, uh, and I think, I, I think it costs stuff. I think it costs, and I think it costs the work of the kingdom. Absolutely. You know, you know this, uh, what it reminds me of, it kind of ties in closely is uh, one of the things that really stood out to me in the book was this whole concept of losing your voice. Mm. Yeah, like over time, like your identity just gets stolen away from you and battered yeah. out of you. Would you mind unpacking that concept a little bit for our listeners who haven't gotten a chance to read the book yet and how we lose our voice over time? Yeah, I, I've, um, for me, the, 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 I was fascinated when I first started looking at this, realizing that the word voice um, comes from voc or vox in the Latin, and it's the same root word from where you find your vocation, the word vocation, the vocare. And um, I, yeah. I understand our, our voice as the kind of, it's like the living representation. It's your, it's your identity out loud, you know, um, your, your passions, your thoughts, dreams out loud and articulated for the world around you. And I think um, the example I give in the, in the book is of a, of a period of time where I was bullied, where every action I had and the way I looked and the way I dressed was criticized day after day after day. And it got more and more convenient to get a little smaller, mm. to hide away, to try and avoid, um, and avoid conflict and confrontation with the people who were bullying me because, and, but also realizing that, uh, that, that the bullying tapped into my deepest fears that what they said was true. Wow. And, and I think what happens with us when we lose our voice is we're told our voices don't count. Uh, we don't see our voices represented in the world around us. Um, you have some like devastating experience where you're numbed and you're silenced sure. and the things that God has wired you with the ways that you are created um, are muted or just er or, or eroded. Hard times can cause us to lose our voice. And sometimes they have it, we lose it in our informative periods of our lives, like our formative years. Like I'll give you an example. When I was being mentored by someone once, I talked about pioneering and being called to that. And they said, oh, you know what? That's just a fad. Huh. Pioneering is a fad. Um, don't even <laughs> think about it. And I remember just feeling crushed because sure. it took all the courage I had to say it. Mm. And then to hear from someone who loved me and who was who in many other respects had been really good for me. Um, I don't think they had any any. I mean, they apologized a few years later, but um, 
because I ignored them. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but in that time, it was soul crushing. Sure. It was soul crushing to think, I really feel this is, there's something in this. I'm not saying I've got it right, but there's something in this. Yep. And then to have it feel so minimized and belittled and dismissed. It was even the, dis- I mean, the hand action was dismissed. Huh. Was dismissive as well. We're, all, and I, we're I, all picturing. We're all picturing that now. Like meh, hand going. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. I mean, it was just, and it, and as she swept those the the things I'd said away, my voice went with it. Gosh, that's wow. tragic. You know, and, and today uh, there seems to be in the media, uh, in, in a good way. This this uh, there's a big uprising about listen. Everyone has a voice, and and people yeah. need, you need to believe the good things about yourself, and and especially around being female, right, and, and being a woman. And wow, about time. And yet, I got to say this, and here I am sitting in my white privileged seat of podcasting today. But sure. I, I, but, but what the difference here is, is are we finding our voice in light of who God says we are? Or yeah. was it was what was supposed to be true of us and is true of us because God created us in his image and Christ is recreating us? Has that all been squished out of us? And then the I think sometimes the other side of that coin, at least the way it's coming off on TV a lot, is like, so you go out and make your own identity. Yeah, you, you build yeah. A, you build a you, and you show everybody, and that's that's different because now you got to now you're on a treadmill that you created and you got to keep it up. Absolutely, and and there are a lot of voices out there telling us what to think and be, and I think the dilemma is, or oh, well, I think the part, people have been silenced, and women in particular, and those on the margins, people of color, have been silenced for so long. Yeah, yeah, so long. I think we're seeing the cost. I mean, we're clearly seeing the cost of when our voices haven't been heard. Um, and we're seeing the devastating impact and we're seeing the grief out loud, mm. you know, and the, de- and the devastation. And we're seeing the dark consequences of what happens when you silence and you crush and bully. And I would say that is one part of a healing journey, but it's not the full part of the healing journey. It's an important and it's a valid part mm, yeah. um, of the healing journey. And, and honestly, I think, you know, when you silenced and minimized and abused and, and oppressed people for this long, this is what you should expect. <laughs> you know, yeah. you should expect people's voices to be loud. And and as you said at the beginning, Caesar, and to sit and listen and and take it in and then ask the question, what does redemption look like? Hmm. What does fully fledged, um, fully fledged fullness? Who and, and and the question I've been asking in the book is, who were you before anyone said who you were supposed to be? And what I think we've seen and, and what I've encountered is people tell me throughout my life who I was supposed to be because I'm a woman, who I'm supposed to be because I'm black, who I'm supposed to be because I grew up in the inner city and because I'm poor. and Or who you're supposed to be because you're a Christian. Or, or who you're supposed to be because or you're not, a Christian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And X, Y, you know what I mean? And the, and the list sadly goes on. Mm-hmm. And I think what we've had, and there had been times in my life where it's like, I'm not those things. I'm not the, I'm not the stereotype. I'm not definitely not that bigoted statement. I'm not that sexist comment. I'm not that all of those things. Um, but uh, nor am I a reaction to those things either. I'm actually who God said I am. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, and I think it's, uh, I think for us as church, I think we have a responsibility and I think a call to help uh, to, for ourselves to do that journey and to lead others in that journey as well. That's awesome. That's wow. Powerful. And I hope, I, I mean, I just want to underscore one thing. It's like, what was your voice and who were you before people started to squish that out of you? I didn't say it as yeah. well, but that I, I want to give people permission to hear that, hear what Joe's saying and go back and think through that. What, who were you? What were those dreams? So, you know, the Bible says that, that God gives you the desires of your heart. 
And I don't think that means you desired up and God's a genie. <laughs> He'll give it to you. Yeah. Totally. Like, I really like a new Tesla. Let's go, God. You know, um, <laughs> Let we all. <laughs> but I, but I, I think God gives us the desires of our heart and, and, and we long for those things. And then as he fulfills them, we, we see his grace and his glory and how awesome he is. And this is speaking into that. Um, let's, let's move to some practical stuff. If we, if we can, Joe, what, what are some practical things that you'd give folks who are actively seeking to move towards their true identity, maybe go back in time in some ways, both yeah. in life, but also into, like, I don't know if I've ever even heard God's voice. Uh, you share, you share some practical stuff in the, in the book as well. So um, just whatever comes to mind, let's, let's give our listeners a few, here, here's some things we can get started with. Yeah. I would say, first of all, don't be too quick on the unpacking how you got here. Um, I've, uh, do you know what I mean? In terms of, um, where you're at now and all the voices that define them. I would, uh, and I spend a lot of time getting people to take a long, hard look at what, where they, what they've become. Partly because if we, if we whiz past that bit, we don't actually get to the freedom piece. Sure. So, uh, yeah. or, or it's a sort of lasting piece. You know what I mean? So and, don't, um, yeah. Don't expect to go from darkness straight to like, bing, cleaned up, yes, light, got it. Totally. Yeah. Perfect voice now. So, yeah. so I'd say take. I'd say first of all, I encourage people to take their time on that. And and you know, for sometimes, depending on what's happened to people, that might be counselling. That could be all kinds of things. Um, that as they begin to unpack, because things come up as you begin to do, as you begin to explore this stuff, when you realise the journey it's been, it can be quite. There can be a grieving process there. Sure. So I, I like to um, encourage people. But as they go on that journey, some of the things I, I encourage people to get in touch with is what things they like. You know, the amount of people I've asked, what things do you like to do? And they don't know anymore because they've lost their way. They've been so busy working. They've forgotten their clear passions and the things they enjoy. And so I ask people, what sort of things make you happy? What sort of things make you angry? If you could do anything in the world, if you could change anything um, or do anything and you weren't afraid. You know, those kinds of questions that we use to explore calling and vocation. I ask those kinds of questions. And I ask them as questions because we're wanting people to flex a muscle. They've not flexed for a long time about thinking of those things um, and getting in and unearthing those things again. Sometimes I'll ask people to try to un, just unleash a little something is, what would you be doing in six months or in a year from now if if money and or time or your certain circumstances were not an issue? Yes. Well, but yeah. I'm a parent or, but I, we're broke or, but you know, but what if none of that was an issue? What would you be doing? Perfect world. God loves you. You ask him, he goes, yep, there you go. What would you be doing in six months? You know, that's, I think that's a huge one. I often ask that alongside fear as well, because I think fear is such a pervasive and, and I, I think it manifests itself in so many ways. It manifests itself in comparison, in perfectionism, in p- passivity, in, comp- in, in unhealthy competition. And that, so I often ask people about what would you, what or what of your fears held you back from doing for six months? What is your, um, you know? And if you continue to live by this fear, what's that going to look like in six months, a year, two years time? Um, almost for them to realise what the end result of their fears are to come back to saying I don't want to be like that, and then come back to this question sure. also: if you weren't afraid, if time wasn't an issue, if money wasn't an issue, if opportunity. For some, I've said, if opportunity and environment wasn't an issue, what would you do? And that and that's good because I was just about to I was just about to ask like, what's it look like in in a person you're working with someone, or maybe what's it look like in the mirror even? But what's it look like? What's it sound like when a person's not believing what God says is true and they're not living out of their identity? What's that begin to look and sound like so we can start to identify that in ourselves and in others? Yeah, I mean, I when I when people 
say I don't know really too quickly. I think I've often, that, that's often a, a thing for me. When someone sounds passionate about something and they end it with, I don't know, I, almost resigned. I kind of say, what do you mean you don't know? Because you just sound like you did. Yeah. <laughs> you just sound like you did know. And then you, you but your, your sign out, your signature at the bottom is, I don't know. And um, probably not going to happen. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah. And that, you, do you know what I mean? It's that kind of, the, the kind of self-protective dismissal of all you've just said at the end, I think is something worth um, landing on with you. I think um, so, sometimes cynicism, where people sign off before they even begin. Um, I, I, I mean, I'm the kind of person who likes to get behind, I like words, so I like to get behind the words that people use and the why they say them. Because, you know, as the Bible says, the heart speaks, you know, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Sure. And so I just want to find out what 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 we're full of right now. <laughs> <laughs> we're full on that sure. and why and why because i think we're saying something what uh, those are some of the identi identifying things that i tend to listen out for look out for i mean obviously there's body language and stuff as well and as or we've been and as we've been discipling for years and building community and planting churches as you have joe we've i've found that this this doesn't get quote repaired or sorted uh like in a weekend uh, you know no, like starting to believe a completely different story and version and value of yourself and who God created you to be and how he now sees you and, and the voice that he has for you. Boy, that's almost like, that's almost in the land of too good to be true, too far away kind of stuff for people. And it, it takes patience. It takes time. It takes constantly reminding, Hey, you're a bird. You got wings. Yeah. You, you, you get to fly. You really do. I, I know you yeah. just walked here today, but well, maybe tomorrow you'll fly. All right. <laughs> so speaking of that, Joe, I'm going to ask you for 60 seconds of free counseling. As we, as we start to land the plane oh, here. Here we go. Because uh, like what Caesar just said, I know for me personally, really trying to see myself as God sees me, uh, it's harder than exercise. I mean, it's constantly reframing my thoughts and yeah. it's extremely difficult. Um, and the way that God sees me is almost too good to be true. It is too good to be true. And it, it's, it's almost unbelievable in that sense. So would you just spend 60 seconds encouraging me and maybe any of our listeners who are really having a hard time believing what's true about themselves? I would encourage you to do a couple of things. I'd say um, it's okay that it's hard because um, and these things took a long time to get there. And I like Caesar's words about right, the story. What you're doing as you struggle to believe is you're rewriting a very old, long story, an ancient story. And to rewrite a story takes work and it takes effort and editing and it's okay if you if you take two steps and then you don't want to write again. But I would encourage you to surround yourself with people who see the you that you're that you want to be, but you don't realize you are yet, and let them speak for you. Yep. I'd I'd immerse yourself in verses of the Bible and stuff that remind you that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalm 139 has been my go-to, and I'd read it in front of the mirror. I really would. Okay. I'd commit to if you do need the extra help to get in the work, and I would try new things. Because if you're rewriting a story at some point, that's putting pen to paper and writing new words down. Yeah. Um, you, you can't do that in your own head. You actually have to take a step. And it's okay that it's a baby step. Babies don't run marathons. They take single steps. Yep. Uh, that's so good. Wow. Joe, it has been an absolute joy talking to you. Again, your book, The Dream of You, is absolutely incredible. Thank um, you. And hopefully we get to have you back on the show again. Fun times. That'd be awesome. It'll take us another six years to. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Joe's a very, you know, listen, I've been just finagled myself a speaking slot at a conference. A 18 months in the working, I heard Joe was going to be at a conference. I was working with the same people, and I go, She is? I don't, I want to speak there. And they're like, Oh, okay. So they booked us in Chicago. 
in, in the frozen tundra. And then they booked us on opposing schedules. We never saw each other. So <laughs> completely like, different days. I was a little like, upset about that. I'm not going to lie. I was just like, it was far uh, easier to schedule the queen for one of the last podcasts we did. We had Megan Markle is going to be on right after you. <laughs> and we're going to talk about that. And that took us a couple of phone calls and yeah. it, boom, Nusky. <laughs> Now, blessings on you, sister. Thanks so much for uh, for being here. And thanks for believing the story that God's telling about you so that we all get to a little bit more as well. Thank you. I appreciate you. All right. All right, Joe. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right, man. We could probably do a big 33 off of this episode. There's so much goodness. But we need to <laughs> We were it. flying, and yet it was so packed. Absolutely. Wow. So the big three, I'm sure you know by now, unless you're a new listener, are the big three takeaways from today's topic. These are the don't miss these points from today's talk. And by the way, you can always get a printable PDF of this week's big three as a free download by going to everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three. That's everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three. Okay, so here's the big three. First, we don't live beyond what we believe about ourselves. <laughs> yeah, but she said that. Right? Are you kidding? So if we've been buried under years of lies and untrue beliefs about who God's created us uniquely to be, then I just want to, I want to remind us that, you know, he's created you to know this and to live out of some, some new things. And at first it's going to all sound like lies. Yeah. Like you're going to start hearing this and go, ah, that can't be true. That can't be true. And it's going to sound unbelievable and it's going to sound too good to be true. Cause it is. Yeah. Because yeah. it really, really is. But yeah. that's how awesome our God is and how big the gospel is. Right. So, Absolutely. um, yeah, we, we, we get to live beyond <laughs> what we've been thinking. Okay, second, it's all right that it's hard to believe the new and better story that God's telling you, hmm. right? It, it's going to be hard at first. Sure. Kind of just said that. And and kind of parallel to that is don't expect to have a perfect voice at first, quote unquote. As you're beginning to live into your new identity, yep. and God's giving you a new voice, don't expect to have it be perfect at first. Yeah. Like it's not going to be perfectly clear and eloquent. Speak what you're now hearing from God. And expect it to take some time to gain and to give others clarity. It's okay. God loves you, and he wants to hear from you. And you know what? The rest of us need your voice. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the spirit that will make it clear and powerful and perfect. And just just so you know, don't don't wait till someday you think you've got your message or your voice all perfectly clear and clarified to start, because you'll never get there. Yeah. We, we need you. Yeah, we need we your voice. Okay, and then third, your voice is your identity out loud. Joe said that, and I'm like, wow. That's tattooable. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Too late. I got it already. Just on the, uh, so your voice is your identity out loud. Don't fear to try out your wings, okay, and try new things, to say new things, to go new places. If you believe God's calling you to a new place, like physically go there. That might be part of how he's causing you to believe something new about yourself or sure. calling you to a new, new voice. Um, if it's a new role or a new job, try that. Don't be afraid. Don't, don't, don't worry about it. Go for it. If it's to a new calling, embrace it fully, knowing that in all of these, God goes with you, and he's, in fact, he's already there. God's never going to call you somewhere and then leave you and forsake you. So even though it might seem scary, he's there and he's waiting for you. You you get to go for it. That's beautiful, man. Thank you for those. If you want more information on Joe Saxton, you can go to her website. It's www.joesaxton.com, and she's on Twitter and Instagram at Joe Saxton. Check out her website because you get a link to her podcast yep. too. And you can get the copy of a new book there. Yeah. And you can get the goodness every Speaking week. Speaking dates. Yeah. If she's coming close to you, go see her. What a great talk. What an important concept to really grasp and pass on to others 
as we make disciples of Jesus, who is the exact imprint and glory of God. And we are now his body in the world. Now we get to go forward in our true Trinitarian identity with God, using all of us uniquely in different ways as he fills the world with his glory. Man, that's awesome. I'm super encouraged. I hope you are too. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again, Joe, and thanks, Heath. I look forward to talking with you next week as well as we continue to learn how to truly live a lifestyle of discipleship in all the normal stuff of life together. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day. 